Late Night Council is a production of Council Communications. This is Late Night Council. This is bigger. This is very big. There's definitely something here. Apparently, it's a big deal. It's all over the news. It's a real thing. A radio signal from another world. That's my grandpa. Well, your story is very compelling. Your chance to make history. That's pretty cool, I guess. Give it to me straight. John, you're in charge. Uh, on July 1st weekend... Ottawa is the center of the universe, and and that's where we're broadcasting from uh, tonight, folks, as we always do, unless otherwise notified. And, you know, with the wonders of online broadcasting, it's pretty easy to broadcast from anywhere. But here we are, hunkered down in in a bunker underneath an insignificant building, hidden away where, you know, terrorists can't find us. And uh, another edition of the show, it's Ask the Pastor, it's Late Night Council, it's Open Light, Open Topic. I am going to attempt to, uh, you know, approach everything you bring to the program from a biblical perspective, from a faith perspective. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety is the long distance line. No, that's not the long distance line. Come on, council, get your act together. You've been fooling around too much. You've been having too much fun on Canada Day weekend. Actually, I've been busy as heck. I'll tell you about it in a second. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. Is the capital region number three four three seven hundred forty three ninety? Is the capital region number? That's Ottawa. That's Gatineau, Hull, Embrun, Arnprior. If you're up in Pembroke, you got to use the long distance line, which is which is okay. And not only in Pembroke, but if you're in uh, head smashed in Buffalo Jump, Alberta. Okay, if you're in. Uh, Gobblers Crossing, Alabama. If you're in Social Hill, Arkansas, or I don't know, Ohoopy, Georgia, one eight four four five six two four seven six six is your number. That's one eight four four five six two four seven six six. I got a real smart Alec phone. I tried to make a long distance call the other day and I didn't push the one and it comes on and said, you dummy, don't you know you're supposed to push a one before you know you dial long distance? I mean, how could you possibly be trusted owning an iPhone? Man, them operators are getting cocky. Unbelievable, man. One eight four four. Put the one first. One eight four four five six two four seven six six is the long distance line. That's good for all over North America. Okay. One eight four four five six two four seven six six. You can email me. It's got to be under six lines, and it's got to be airworthy. Okay, JC at latenightcouncil.com. That's JC at latenightcouncil.com. You can tweet at me at JW Council. It's been a long time since we've had a usable tweet on the program. Now, please don't just go out and tweet because I haven't had a tweet on the program in a long time. Please, okay, and don't call because if you hear hear the show and you listen for the full two hours, and I'm not getting a lot of calls, don't call in just be like, oh, "You're not getting calls," so I figured I'd call it. No, 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 no. You only call in if you've got something airworthy to say, you know. And if you think, listen, if you think, I don't know if this is airworthy, it's probably not. Okay, it's probably not. That's a good test. 
But if you got something burning in your bosom, if you got, oh man, I got to tell John about this, or you know, John said something last week. There's no way I can he can get away with that. There's no way I'm going to nail him for that this week. Okay. I, I I don't like apathetic calls. Now the good news is most people who are apathetic and don't care, they don't call in. I like people who care calling in. I like people who are passionate. Okay. And you know, even when they disagree with me, if the, you know, have an opinion. You know. Take a stand for something. I forget who the – and this line's been making the rounds on Twitter quite a bit lately. I can't remember who said it. And, and if somebody wants to, you know, email me or tweet it or call in and remind me who it is, it might have been Churchill. No, it wasn't Churchill. And uh, and uh, the line goes something like this. Oh, people are mad at you. Good. You probably took a stand for something. How many times have I said it on Late Night Council on, on this, since we've been doing Sunday Night Only? Jesus was not crucified for saying nice things. Jesus was not crucified because he was quiet, didn't want to offend anybody. 343-700-4390 in the capital region, one 562 4766 is the long distance line. If you like if you if it could, if you could remember the long distance line better, it's one eight four four LNC, which stands for late night council. One eight four four LNC is on. We paid a lot of money to get that custom number, folks. So take advantage of it. You know, remember it easier than more power to you. Now, about ooh, two, three weeks ago, people started emailing me and tweeting, and uh, I think we even got uh, you know a couple calls on the, on the show about it about uh, a new movie that is uh, out on Netflix. I have Netflix. The best thing about Netflix: no commercials. The worst thing about Netflix, it keeps crashing my smart TV. Oh, my goodness. Every time we go and watch, we're going to unplug the thing, plug it back in again. Oh, yeah. First world problem. I know, I know. Our wonderful brothers and sisters that meet in house churches in Red China and the underground church that meets in Saudi Arabia and Iran, okay, you know, they, they would hear me complaining and say, what an idiot, man. That's the last time I'm listening to your podcast. So, yeah, I get that, okay? But... I digress, which I usually do. Um, Netflix, Netflix, no commercials, okay? And and uh, uh, every once in a while, something good comes on. And I heard about three weeks ago about a movie, and I kind of noticed it when you know you're going through the latest, you know, the newest stuff on Netflix because it's uh, it's it's really a wasteland too of garbage that's on there. But uh, uh, the new stuff that's coming, I noticed it is Genesis history. And some of you mentioned on the program is Genesis history. And uh, I was talking to Lawrence Tisdale, who's a you know great friend of this show, has co-hosted with me a number of times, microbiologist, brilliant guy, and uh, his grandfather was on the team that invented pablum, and the profits of, of uh, the sale of pablum, which of course was invented in Canada, uh, built Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto. Okay, so incredible heritage of brilliance and, and service to the country. Good thing to mention on Canada Day weekend. And uh, we were talking either last week or this week on the phone. He says, John, have you seen uh, Is Genesis History yet? I said, no, but I've seen it on Netflix. What he says, it's really good. So I took the time this week with my uh, brilliant daughter who has uh, 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 two university degrees. And, oh, my goodness, she has got a critical mind for uh, storytelling and for movies and for media and stuff like that. When she watches, she watches with a, a critic's eye. And uh, for Christy to say, my daughter, that, Dad, this is a good flick. That's huge praise, and and uh, we watched it, I think, yesterday. It's about two hours, and I want you to know right now, and, and this is not hyperbole because I've seen a ton of creation science 
movies, okay? This is by far and away the best presentation of creation science I've ever seen, ever, ever. Particularly for if anybody's got an open mind at all, and the problem is most people don't because they've been so indoctrinated and they've never been exposed to this kind of stuff that it's kind of mind-blowing. But if, it, but if you've got any friends or, 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 or uh, associates that have anywhere near an open mind when it comes to the whole creation-evolution uh, uh, debate, you can, be, you can feel very, very secure and very, very safe to recommend this flick to them. I mean, at the very least, it's going to start some powerful conversations. It's 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 the 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 um, the production quality of it, is, of it is is you know as good as anything I've seen uh, for documentaries. And uh, when I saw it, I tweeted yesterday. I said, I, "I'm surprised that this movie, you know, with the academic environment that is so bigoted against creation science." I mean, if you do not teach the dogma, even if you've got mounds of evidence that proves the dogma is impossible, okay? And you're a university professor in any of the sciences in North America, you lose your job, okay? You can present detailed accounts of how evolution is absolutely 100% impossible, and you can prove it with empirical data, okay? And if you take a stand like that, you're gone. That's how that's how much our universities and academic institutions have have uh, transformed from uh, institutions that educate and teach kids to uh, indoctrination centers. And it's really really good. I cannot recommend this movie enough. It gets a five star rating on the late night council. You know, a recommendation list is Genesis History. It's on Netflix now. I would suggest you watch it. Before they take it off, because I'm telling you right now, the the bigotry against creation science is so hateful, okay? It's so Christophobic, it's so Bibliophobic, okay? That that's not going to last on Netflix. I can't see it lasting more than a month. If it does, that's a miracle. That tells me somebody's praying and, you know, the, the truth is really getting out there, Okay. But I highly, highly recommend it. If you got the time, if you're looking for, and it's it's a documentary now, okay. So you can't just you can't just well, let's grab it. Well, yeah, we had the popcorn and everything going, and I forget what I was eating. I think I was eating goldfish. You know those cheesy goldfish they got now? They're pretty good. Uh, watch it like any other flick, but it's really good. Keep your mind open, and uh, I would you can recommend it to anybody if you've had a discussion with anybody on creation evolution. Let them see this flick. And then, I don't know, take them out for lunch the next day and yak about it. It will be time well spent. It's a, it's a, it's a, great, uh, it's a great discussion starter. It really is. 343-700-4390 is the long distance line. That's 343-700-4390. is the long distance line. You know, I, and I was thinking tonight because, you know, I, I play the odd tune every once in a while now on Sunday nights. And uh, with the movie as Genesis History, I think, you know, to remind you, before the end of the program tonight, I think I'm going to play my favorite Genesis tune of all time. Yeah. I don't think you know the tune. It's not one that gets played on the radio. In fact, I think I may have heard it played on the radio twice in my lifetime. In my lifetime. I'll give you a hint. It came out in the mid-70s. Okay. Good chance I'm going to play my favorite Genesis tune of all time, just to kind of remind you about, you know, the the, the flick and my recommendation. But in the meantime, um, it is Canada Day weekend, and uh, this is the center of the universe here when it comes to Canada Day. Everybody comes to Ottawa for Canada Day. I had to drive down to Ogdensburg, New York, Friday, to pick up a 
gas tank for my wife's motorcycle, which couldn't be found anywhere in Canada, so I'd have, to, I'd have it ordered to Ogdensburg, okay? And I am driving down the 416 highway from Ottawa to Ogdensburg, and on Friday afternoon, when the thought hits me, it's June 30th. It's a Friday. And I am, I am, John, you're out of your mind. What are you doing driving to the States? What do you, why? What would possess you to go to a border crossing on the first weekend of summer when everybody and their uncle and their brother and their cousin is, you know, crowding the borders to go down to the States? And I thought, okay, let me see. Is my are my tunes intact? Yeah, are my uh, are my apps on my iPhone okay? So I can sit, listen to online radio. Uh, you know, how do I survive this? And so I drive into you know into the the, the thing. And and it, when you cross over Nogginsburg, you got to pass Canada Customs first. Okay, you go past it. It's on the other side. So I'm driving through, and sure enough, you know, Canada Customs is is lined up all the way, halfway up the bridge, you know, coming into Canada. I mean, everybody wants to come to Canada. It's Canada Day weekend. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what am I going to face when I get down to the States? You know, when I get down to, like, the American Customs. And I get down to American Customs, there's nobody there. I mean, there's two or three cars. They get through in five minutes. So I'm rejoicing. I'm singing hymns. I think I'm so happy. I pick up her gas tank. I come back, and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, I'm going to oh, gonna be a big lineup. Oh, I don't want to do it. And, and miraculous, I was only in the States for a half hour, okay? Now, is this an answer to prayer? I don't know. I just find that when I pray about things, I, I get a lot more coincidences. I pull up to the Canaan border. There's no lineup. It's like two or three cars. Where did the lineup go? Half an hour. How did they get rid of a lineup that big in a half an hour? Oh, it was delightful. Absolutely delightful. I want to throw out a question tonight. We talked a little bit this about this last week. There's been a ton of discussion about this in in, um, uh, in faith circles online in the last uh, uh, 48 hours in Canada. Is Canada a Christian nation? Is it a Christian nation? Is Canada a Christian nation? I know what our roots are. Our roots are not as solid in Christianity as they are in the States, although you can't deny that, you know, that Christians, especially Catholic missionaries, the French when they came over, you know, they were solidly grounded in biblical pr- principles. But is this a Christian nation? Here's a couple questions I want to throw there. First of all, I don't think it is at all. If you want to disagree and you want to call in and argue and you give me your point of view, that's fine. That makes for good talk radio. There's no way this is a Christian nation, okay? I don't think it is. But maybe I should extend the question and ask this. Should it be? Should it be? And, you know, I got to define the term Christian because and that has to be redefined because I remember being on the lunch bunch with Lowell Green at the last radio station, oh, about 10 years ago. And I've heard him say it a number of times on his uh, on his show. Now, those of you that are listening from across North America, Lowell Green, oh, for a good uh, 20 years here in the uh, capital region, was easily the highest profile radio personality in the, in, in the city. Okay. Done many shows with him, substitute for him, oh, about a, maybe 100, maybe 200 times over the course of 17 years. And uh, him and I became good friends. And we used to do the lunch bunch together. And I remember on more than one occasion, you know, this topic comes up. And you would hear him say often, well, I was born in Canada, so that makes me a Christian because this is a Christian nation. And I remember being on Lunch Bunch once, and I'd say, "Well, that's great, Lowell. Like, if you were born in, a, if, if you were, you know, uh, uh, if you were born in a chicken coop, would that make you a chicken, Lowell? If you know, if you couldn't get to the hospital in time, your mom gave birth to you in a garage. Would that make you a car? 
Hey, where you're born, does it, I guess, you know, and he didn't know where I was coming from because he has always known the cultural definition of a Christian. That's not what a Christian is. In fact, the term Christian wasn't even used until 10 years, at least 10 years after the resurrection of Christ. All his disciples, all the followers of Christ, they weren't even called Christians until until the epicenter of Christianity moved from Jerusalem to Antioch because of persecution in Jerusalem. When they stoned Stephen in the book of Acts, that was the first wave of persecution of the church. And they scattered. They got out of there. And a lot of them gathered in Antioch, and they preached the message to the Gentiles in Antioch, 300 miles north of Jerusalem, which is now in modern-day Turkey. And within, oh, about 25 years, there were more Christians in Antioch than anywhere else in the world at the time. But the term Christian was not used until Acts 11.26. And it, it didn't come about, you know, quickly. This new faith, this new way that was really transforming the culture of Antioch, it had already turned Jerusalem inside out and upside down. And in Antioch... They noticed that these people that followed Christ, they were obsessed with him. They talked like him. They, you know, they quoted the things that he said. They had the priorities of Christ. They were kind like Christ. They were generous. They renounced their worldly goods. They had everything in common. I mean, they were serious, serious followers of Christ. So they came up with a derogatory nickname for these followers of Christ. They called them, who do these, and, and really the, the, the context was, who, who do these people think they are? Little Jesuses? That's what the Greek word Christos meant in that context, in that culture, 2,000 years ago. Little Jesuses. It was a derogatory term. The English, tra- it loses a lot in the English translation. The English translation is Christian. So that's the origin of the term, okay? So a, a real Christian, a biblical Christian, is one that reminds people so much of Jesus that they, they're literally like little Jesuses. Now, when you know what a real Christian is, it makes it a little more, oh, I don't know, maybe acceptable to uh, realize that people who have called themselves Christians in the last 2,000 years have done some really, really bad things. Now, that's bad news, but the good news is they probably weren't biblical Christians at all. At least not when you look at the origin of the term. People have called themselves Christians have done some really, really bad things. They've done some really, really dumb things. But anyone that was the real deal, a real Christian, oh my goodness. They've transformed society. Honest historians would say they've probably formed the bedrock of society. It was biblical Christians that fought to end slavery in the early 1800s in England and over here in the North America. Harvard University, Princeton University, Yale University, every one of them were originally started, and the, and the original purpose of those three major universities were to train men for the ministry. They were Bible colleges in the first five to 20 years of their existence. Real Christians, real Christians, the biblical kind, they feed more starving people, they build more hospitals and schools, they dig more wells, and take care of more orphans than all other non-Christian organizations in the world. That's what real Christians do. Now, it's, it's Canada Day, okay? And I want to talk about 
how, you know, we are distinctively Canadian and how we don't know it. And I want to make the comparisons of, you know, what it means to be distinctively Canadian and what a real Christian is. Because there's a lot of similarities there. That doesn't mean that Canadians are Christians. Please don't confuse what I'm saying at all. That's not what I mean. And I'm going to get a chance. I'm going to get a chance to make myself crystal, crystal clear. Okay? So when we come back, okay, when we come back, got to do a little bit of a, a break here. Got to hear from people that are keeping me on the air. Okay? And then I want to get into this a little bit more. But you kick that question around. If you think you've got an answer, is this a Christian country? Should it be a Christian country? I'm letting you know my stand. I don't think it's a Christian country at all. i got all kinds of stuff to talk about tonight. If you follow me on Twitter, you know what I've already tweeted out. That's stuff I hope to get to tonight. And you could already be prepped by reading some of the articles I put out there tonight. You want to sound a little more intelligent when you call in, okay? And, and I want you to sound as intelligent as you can when you call in, okay? So this is Late Night Council. We're going until 11 o'clock and uh, uh, right back after this. Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized Integraspect distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made Integraspec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at Integraspec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. I had a busy weekend. I had to, I had to speak at a at a at a, a gathering of about uh, like an outdoor festival type burger barbecue with about ooh, sponsored by uh, L'Eglise de de, uh, uh, de la Liberté, which is on Donald Street here in Vanier, and and behind their facility, they have this great big like it, it's like an arena. And and it's like a big warehouse, but with no walls, so it's like you're covered from the elements. And it rained a lot that you know yesterday, and uh, and yet you're outdoor. You know, bouncy castles for the kids. So that was fun. Got to speak there, and then of course I had to speak at my church, Christ Church, this morning, uh, down in Lower Town, which is always fantastic. And then I had to drive out to Lanark, north of Perth, 
to speak at a, at a group of, uh, it was 150th anniversary with a bunch of churches coming together, and, and then, of course, the, the show tonight. And uh, so a busy, busy weekend. And, uh, of course, it's, man, I was, I was, let me see, I was seven years old when Expo 67 was on. And my dad that summer was preaching a camp in Nova Scotia. So we had to drive from Windsor out to Nova Scotia, and we drove. The closest I got to Expo 67 was driving along Montre- uh, uh, through Montreal on the South Shore. So we got a good glimpse of Ilse Helene and Expo 67. And we saw all these radical, amazing buildings. And all we heard about in school in 1967 was Expo 67 and all the crazy stuff and wonderful stuff that they had at Man and His World. And we all got these, you remember these, those uh, centennial medallion, medallions that they had? 18, and remember that cool maple leaf that all of us, you know, when we were kids, we would draw that maple leaf they had for the, for the centennial. It was a big deal, wasn't it? In fact, I read somewhere that uh, uh, by objective observers and by international writers, the World's Fair, they called it, at Montreal in 1967 was the greatest World Fair of the, of, the, of the 20th century. That's how good a job we did. And I know that 150 isn't the same as 100, but man, 150, it's like, oh yeah, 150, whatever. You know, we got a special flag, special logo, and that's about it, you know? And it's kind of a, like really anticlimactic, you know? But, you know, we're Canadians. We don't complain, you know. Do you know you have an accent? If you're Canadian, do you know you have an accent? You do. You don't know that unless you go to the States or you go to England. And, and I've been to both places. And it, it's kind of weird when people say to you, like in, in, in Britain, Oh, you Canadians have such delightful accents. Oh, they, what? No, we don't have an accent. No, you have accent. No, 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 you do. And now in the States, it's happened in the States, too, especially in the southern United States. Yeah, yeah, we can tell you're from Canada, boy. Our accents give us away. And I had a little fun this week because I had to speak to these, you know, these Canadian events. So these are, these are uh, uh, apparently, these are how you can tell Canadians down the States. These are, these are, these are characteristics that Americans and, and the Brits, okay, this is what they say about us. These, these come from American and British sources now, okay? You've probably heard this one. What does a Canadian say when a New Yorker steps on their foot in the subway? Which, you know, happens a lot, you know? You've probably heard that one. What does a Canadian say? Well, the Canadian says, sorry, of course. What's a Canadian? It's an unarmed American with health care. I think this next one comes from Britain. Because the Brits, you know, they describe the Americans as a melting pot. American culture is a melting pot. And Canadians like to use a nice word like mosaic. Well, you know, in Britain, they you know what they call call us? You know what they tell us about Canadian culture? You know how they describe it? Well, Americans are a melting pot. Canada is a tossed salad. This one's got to come from the States. What's the difference between a canoe and a Canadian? The canoe tips. Now, maybe I should be, you know, maybe I should be doing, uh, I don't know, this and this. Every once in a while, too, you know, for effect. That's kind of cheesy, isn't it? But you don't care. Why don't Canadian women wear sleeveless dresses? And this is great because I was speaking at a gig that had about, oh, maybe 100 people, 150 people this afternoon, okay? And I'm telling you, there was not one woman with a sleeveless dress there. Not one. So this went over perfect. Why do Canadian women not wear sleeveless dresses? Well, because in Canada, we don't have the right to bear arms, you know what I mean? I mean... Everybody knows that. 
How do you, now? I, this is my favorite one, and I know this came from the states. Okay, how do you get a bunch of Canadians out of your pool? How do you get a bunch of Canadians out of your pool? This is how you get them out. You stay in a in a in a in a in a not so loud voice. You say, "Would you all please get out of the pool now?" That's how you do it. Now you've also, you know, if you if you've been alive in the last twenty five years, you've been uh, familiar with Jeff Foxworthy's humor. Jeff Foxworthy is, of course, the guy who came up with the shtick. You might be a redneck if you've ever had to climb a water tower with a paint can and a brush to defend your sister's honor. Okay, that's that's he does redneck humor. You know, you might be a redneck, et cetera, et cetera. He, he guys made a whole career over that shtick. So. With a nod to Jeff Foxworthy and kind of along that same vein. You might be Canadian if your municipality buys a Zamboni before it buys a bus. Yeah, you might be Canadian. You might be Canadian if you know all the words to If I Had a Million Dollars by the Bare Naked Ladies. You might be Canadian if you could sing O Canada in French and actually know what the words mean. You might be Canadian, oh, and this happens so often, you won't admit it, but it's true. You might be Canadian if you get excited whenever an American television show mentions Canada. Oh, they mentioned Canada. What did it Oh. You might be a Canadian if you know Casey and Finnegan are not a Celtic rock band or an imported beer. You might be a Canadian if you know who Foster Hewitt is. You might be a Canadian. Now, this is a little more local here, and, and I really feel sorry for, you know, all of the uh, Americans that are listening and even Canadians that have not experienced this, but this is true. You might be a Canadian if you pity people who have never tasted a beaver tail. You might be a Canadian if you have Canadian tire money in your kitchen drawers or your glove compartment. You're probably Canadian if you know that the last letter of the English alphabet is always pronounced Z. You're Canadian if you know how to pronounce Saskatchewan and spell it, if you know how to spell it, too. You might be a Canadian if you've ever worn shorts and a parka at the same time. You might be Canadian if your car has actually doubled as a freezer on more than one occasion. And finally, you might be Canadian if you perk up when you hear the theme song from Hockey Night in Canada come on the radio or the TV. Now, what has that got to... John, why are you doing this? I know it's that's cute and it's Canada Day. We get it. But come on, let's ask the pastor here. Well, I've wondered often, and you heard me if you've, if you're, you know, if you've been listening for a little bit, and those of you that are tuned in, I, 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 I explain what a real Christian is according to what the Bible says a Christian is as opposed to the modern cultural understanding of what a Christian is because the modern understanding of what a Christian is is pretty out of whack when you go to what the Bible says a Christian is and be reminded that Jesus never used the term Christian the term was never used until at least 10 years after the resurrection okay so when I use the term Christian I mean a true biblical Christian Okay, so again, gave you a little bit of the Canada thing. You might be, you might be a Christian, the real deal. You might be a real biblical Christian if you actually read the Bible, and you don't just keep it on a prominent shelf by the entrance. So when the Jehovah's Witnesses come by, you can point to it and say, you know, yeah, well, we're good. You know, 
you might be a real Christian when, you know, if and when, you know, if you pray and, and not just memorize good prayers. Have you heard that term? Religious people use that line. Good. Oh, that's a good prayer. You got any good prayers, Pastor? Like, prayer is not something that you, you know, you find a good one, you stick with it for the rest of your life. Prayer is simply, you know, talking to God. Could you imagine me coming up with a good rehearsed line that I use on my wife all the time? Man, if that's the way marriage worked, mine wouldn't have lasted for like three months, never mind 35 years plus. You might be a, a real Christian if you're quick to volunteer and you don't care if anyone knows that or not. You might be a real Christian if you give a lot of money away and you don't feel stupid about it. You might be a real Christian if you've had to love somebody or be kind to someone that you'd rather not be kind to or love. Oh, this is one of my favorites. You might be a real Christian if you know what tithing is. I saw a bumper sticker once. Oh, my goodness. A best, probably the best. And there's so many cheesy, stupid Christian bumper stickers. It's just come on. But this is the best one I think I've ever seen. If you love Jesus, tithe. Any idiot can honk. You might be a real Christian if you get uncomfortable when you hear Christ's name used in vain. And I'm not, you know, saying you have to be a wet blanket where, you know, people are afraid, you know, to talk when they're around you. But and and, and if that's I wince, I do. I don't you don't always see it. But when I hear, ah, you know. You might be a real Christian if you've fantasized more than once about throwing a brick at your TV because of something that was misrepresenting or maligning your faith again. You may be a real Christian if you've done a really good deed and you kind of get embarrassed when people find out. Yeah, you're, you know, you probably got the real deal there. You might be a real Christian if you find it really, really, really hard to lie. Even when telling the truth you know is going to get you in trouble. You just cannot. It's hard for you to lie. Really hard for you to lie. You might be a real Christian. You might be the real deal. Do you remember that Molson Canadian ad campaign, Joe Canadian? I looked it up on the net. That's 15 years ago. They were doing that ad campaign 15 years ago. Hi, I'm Joe. You know, I don't ride a canoe and I don't, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was a very successful ad campaign. And there were parodies all over the place of it. So with respect to, you know, it Canada, how would that sound if somebody got up and said, uh, hello, my name's Joe and I'm a Christian. Because, hey, look it, the reason that, ad campaign was so successful because people had so many stereotyped ideas of what Canadians were. Well, I'll tell you right now, there are even more stereotyped ideas of what Christians are. So I think it needs to be redone. Hello, I'm John, and I'm a Christian. I'm not a cultist. I'm not a weirdo or a Jesus freak. I don't live in a commune. I don't eat granola. I don't own any prayer beads. And I've never sent any money to those preachers on TV, although sometimes I watch them on YouTube for laughs. I don't know Jimmy, Sally, or Susie who go to church too, but I'm sure they're very nice people. I follow the Bible, not irrelevant traditions or the CBC. I'm comfortable wearing a cross no matter what company 
I'm in. On my clothing or around my neck? I believe in loving my neighbor, not condemning him. I think hating sin is a real good idea. I think hating sinners is a real bad idea. I confess my sins to the one who shed his blood for me, not to someone who tells me about somebody who shed his blood for me. I think you need a license to have sex. It's called a marriage license. I think adultery's bad. And love, I think love is way more than just a chemical reaction. I think anybody who dies and rises from the dead and then doesn't die again should be taken seriously. And I've only known one person ever to do that. It's the same guy that I confess my sins to. I've seen people who were on their deathbeds given no hope, miraculously healed by him. I've seen him fix broken hearts, broken dreams, broken lives, broken marriages. I've seen him cure addictions. I've seen him make greedy people generous. I've seen him make arrogant people humble. And I've seen him make liars truthful and reliable. I've seen him make the fearful brave. I've seen him make the confused confident, the sorrowful joyful. The abusive bullies, I've seen him turn them into kind and people who kind people who protect the weak. I talk to him a lot. Some people call that prayer. I just think of it as talking to my best friend. That person saved me from my sin. And he saved me from myself, too. I think he's the only way to eternal life. And I think he's so powerful that he can't be confined to one religion or denomination. I find that when I do what he says, I have a lot less trouble in my life. And when I don't do what he says, it always ends badly. I spent most of my life telling people about this guy who was tortured to death, rose from the dead, and then never died again. And even though I can't see him, I'm still blown away that he seems to change people's lives just like he changed mine. He said a lot of difficult things. Now, most people, when they hear about this guy, they don't think he said difficult things. They think he's just kind of like some wonderful Santa Claus type people that just loves everybody. And he does, but, oh, he's so much more than that. He said a lot of difficult things. Like this one. If you follow me, all men will hate you. Huh? Think about that. He said, if you follow me, all men will hate you because of me. And yet he is more followed than anybody in history. He didn't die a torturous death for being nice. He claimed to be God. That got him killed. So these bozos that go around thinking, well, I don't think Jesus was the son of God. I think he was just a great teacher. Excuse me? He claimed to be God. You're either a nutcase or you're the real deal. A good teacher, you know, that's got a lot of good ethics, doesn't go around claiming to be God. That got him killed. But, because he knew all along what was going to happen, he was never taken by surprise. Because it was all part of his plan to pay God's price for sin. What do you mean God's price for sin? Yeah, yeah, you find out what God's like and what he thinks about sin, like, by reading the Bible. God hates sin. 
In fact, God, why does God hate sin? God hates sin because of what it does to people. It destroys people. And God hates sin so much, he will never compromise with it. In fact, he would rather take on human form and die a torturous death, shedding his own blood to pay for sin. He would rather do that than compromise with it. And Jesus, even though he was tortured to death, he knew it was going to happen. It was all part of his plan to pay for the sin of the people he loves more than anything, you and me. For the purpose of you and me, not just having him as the head of our religion. Oh, come on. How boring can that be? No, he did that. He said that the thief, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And in order for people to experience that life, he had to pay the price for their sin. And that was the purpose of his death. Did it all so we could know him personally. And oh yeah, by the way, live forever. So we hear the term saved. Well, what do I need to be saved from? Well, take your pick. Oppression, depression, death, fear, addiction, strife, stress, abuse, sin. Or maybe you're like me. I don't need to be saved from stuff like that. You know what? Anybody that talks like that probably needs to be saved from themselves. That's, I hope that clears up, you know, some stereotypes of what you think a real Christian is, as opposed to, you know, the popular understanding of what a Christian is. 343 It's open line, open topic tonight. I thought I'd kick it off tonight by, oh, I don't know. Talking about Canada, talking about what a real Christian is. Is this a Christian nation? Should it be a Christian nation? I don't think it's a Christian nation at all. I'm looking at a at a headline here. Canadians choose a gay, transgender, or atheist leader over an evangelical, according to the latest Angus Reid survey. What do you think of that? Now, I don't know if this is going to appear in any Canadian media. Usually when I get stuff for my show, i got to go down to the States because the news is, I mean, you've heard the term fake news, but I'll say this for American media, it's way less filtered than Canadian news. Oh, my goodness. We may as well be living in North Korea here the way the state controls our news here. Here, I'll quote from the survey. In fact, I put this out on Twitter. You can read the whole thing if you want. Canadians are more likely to vote for an atheist, a gay, or transgender person than an evangelical Christian to lead their country, according to the Angus Reid Institute survey. Angus Reid, one of the most, maybe the most respected polling company in Canada. They conducted a survey in May with a sample size of 1,533 Canadian adults. 85% said they would vote for a party that is led by a gay man. 84% would back a lesbian. 80% an atheist, 69% a transgender. Meanwhile, 65% say they they would support an evangelical Christian as their leader. Yeah, I don't think this is a Christian country. They're clearly not a Christian nation. And I don't have a, and you know I've got my opinions about some of our leaders, but our leaders are not the problem. Our leaders are simply a reflection of where, you know, the voters are. This is where our nation is. If you see the priorities and you see where, you know, uh, 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 this country is headed, it's because of the populace. It's not it's not the leaders. What's worse than an inept, corrupt 
evil leader. What's worse than that? The pe- in a democracy, the people who vote for them. So that's why, you know, that's why I'm concerned with people seeing people's lives being transformed by the only thing that can transform them. And 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 that's the risen Christ. You got an opinion on that or anything else? I got all kinds of stuff that I want to get to today. If you want to know where I'm going, go to my Twitter feed or go to the Late Night Council Facebook page. There's all sorts of articles I put out there. I don't always get to every one of them, okay? Because sometimes we just, you know, run out of time, okay? But uh, I'm hoping to get to all of them tonight, one by one. And, of course, your calls take precedence. You can derail the show and take it in a totally different direction if you want. But if you don't do that, well, then I'm going to roll supreme and I'm going to talk about whatever I want to talk about. And hopefully it's good stuff. Well, I know it's good stuff, but you tell me what you think. 343-700-4390 in the Capital Region. 343-700-4390. 1-844-562-4766 is the long distance line. That's 1-844-562-4766. We are right back after this information break and, uh, you know, to acknowledge the people who keep us on the air. Stay with us. EMM Group is the authorized IntegraSpec distributor for the greater Ottawa area, providing technically advanced insulated concrete forms. The design virtually eliminates waste while providing the ultimate energy-efficient, quiet homes and structures. With over 40 years' experience in the concrete industry, EMM offers the best product to homeowners and contractors. Canadian-made IntegraSpec is now being used worldwide. More info can be found at IntegraSpec.com. Don't consider building any other way. Call your ICF specialist, 613-835-2600. Late Night Council is a production of So I'm reloading and taking a much-needed break with this here pre-recorded message. You can get a line right now while I'm doing that. 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. That's uh, the Capital Region line. That's Ottawa, Gatineau, and close by. If you live far away, the toll-free line all across North America, 1-844-LNC is on. That's one 844 562-4766 Our call service is automated so you won't be talking to a live person until you're on air Now don't sweat that, just follow the on air prompts and uh, you'll be fine, trust me, you've handled this kind of technology before, otherwise you wouldn't be listening to me right now You can connect with us live at tuneinradio.com or Google Play or just click the listen live button at latenightcouncil.com but you know, chances are you've already done that, just kind of a reminder 
Late Night Council does not exist without advertisers. So if you want to buy time, email me at jc at latenightcouncil.com. And the rates are so cheap because, you know, we're just relaunching and getting things going again. You are going to absolutely love the rates. And, of course, your feedback is always welcome. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And thanks for tuning in. We're back live in just a few seconds. So hang in there. Got an email from Kathy here. It says, sent from her iPhone. Kathy, I hope you weren't doing that while you were driving. JC at LateNightCouncil.com if you want to send me an email. It's got to be under six lines. Kathy's email is under six lines, so it's getting read. Not just because it's under six lines, but it's airworthy. I think it's a good question. Here it is. Hi, John. We sang the National Anthem at church today. Got me wondering how many more years until God is removed from our anthem. God keep our land glorious and free. Kathy, I'm going to give you my opinion. If Trudeau gets voted back in, I'd say two to three years. Two to three years and it is gone. It's just too politically incorrect. Whose God are you talking about? God. You know? If Trudeau gets back in two to three years, if Andrew Scheer gets voted in, maybe five. Because I'm not seeing a movement to... To, to keep it there. I've yet to see a pushback, a significant pushback against political correctness in Canada yet. The election of Donald Trump in the States was not because people like Donald Trump. It's because they were fed up with their government telling them how to think all the time and pushing on them a social agenda that they did not want. And they were so desperately not wanting Hillary Clinton, they actually did the unthinkable. They elected Donald Trump freaking trump as their president okay and all the meat you know how the media has been bashing the daylights out of him and i'm neither a trump fan or a supporter but i will say this i would take donald trump over hillary clinton in a wink i would take him over over barack obama in a wink i would take him over justin trudeau in a wink and please do not that interpret that's like, oh, council's a Trump guy. I am not a Trump guy at all. But when I see what, what type of people the populace is electing, well, I'll just, it makes me pray a lot harder. Because I think only people who are tuned in to what biblical morality and a biblical understanding of where history is at and where this thing is going, I think they're the only people that have a clue. And when you look at history and you look at our culture through a biblical lens, oh boy, <laughs> if, you think, if you think voting in Andrew Scheer is going to make a difference in Canada, if you think voting in Donald Trump in the States is going to make a difference down there, 
Forget it. Both of our countries are up the crick without a paddle. And unless there is a spiritual and moral revolution on our continent, I am not liking the looks of what the world's going to look like for my two grandkids. You asked, Kathy. I answered. And along that vein, this blows me away. I mean, I can't believe, you know. And again, I'm sharing opinion. Mark Zuckerberg. Mark Zuckerberg, the founder and CEO of Facebook, that now has 2 billion users. Okay? 2 billion. Now, again, I do not go to mainstream sources, mainstream media sources, okay, for for bringing stuff to the show. Rarely. Rarely. Okay? Because I don't trust any of them anymore. The sources that I bring out, and I go to Christian Post a lot, and I will not even bring anything from Christian Post out, you know, unless I verified it with other news sources, because there's so much garbage and fake news that you can't trust hardly anything. And that's why I post almost all the articles that I talk about on this program. They are there for you to read, so you know I'm not quoting them out of context, and you can do a bit of your own homework, and you can maybe bring another perspective to the program if you think I'm not presenting it accurately enough. But this, I don't know what to think of this. I don't know if, if Mark Zuckerberg thinks he's, you know, uh, the Messiah here, or I, I really don't know what to think of this. Citing, here's the headline. Facebook CEO wants to build communities to give people meaning and purpose, like churches. I'm not making this up. Let me read you that again. Facebook CEO wants to build communities to give people meaning and purpose like churches. Oh, we wouldn't want them to get meaning and purpose, you know, from meaningful churches. Oh, no, no. We want to copy the formula. He thinks he can copy the formula of the bride of Christ, whom Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. Islamic oppression is not going to prevail against it. Chinese and North Korean communism is not going to prevail against it. I'm going to I'm going to build my church. And in Psalm 127:1 it says that and if I he says unless the Lord builds the house the builders labor in vain. So the implication is unless he is building it that it's a waste of time. And in areas where the church is thriving and you know, faiths that are sticking to the Bible and not abandoning it and compromising, okay, those churches are having no problem. Yeah, people are abandoning churches in droves, but they're abandoning churches that have abandoned biblical truth and are compromising. Churches that are sticking to biblical truth and sticking to sticking to what the you know what following Christ is all about. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind and loving your neighbor as yourself, okay? They are not declining. In fact, they're growing. They're not only growing in places like Southern, uh, South America and Asia and Africa, but they're growing in North America as well. You've heard of the megachurch movement, which, you know, we can argue about whether that's good or bad. But for every megachurch that is, you know, a traditional type denominational church, there are 500 Bible-believing megachurches. All of the megachurches in North America are ones that adhere to scriptural principles. So they're not declining at all. So I don't mean to make fun of because I don't know what Zuckerberg's motives are here. I, I, my, on, on the surface, I look at this, oh, come on. Are you that dense? 
citing a need to help people find purpose and meaning by bringing people closer together, that's his motive, okay? We're going to give them purpose and meaning by bringing people closer to, together. Well, you know, he's got a point there because wars bring people closer together. And I know people that engage in war and lay down their lives and realize, you know, that tomorrow they may be dead. Yeah, that, that tends to give you a little more purpose. But I don't know if bringing people together is, you know, all it's cracked up to be the way this guy's talking about Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg says his company will be, listen to this, he will be shifting, they're going to be shifting their mission to focus on building communities that help to connect people with each other like churches. Wow. He's serious about this. The thing that I think we all need to do right now is work to bring people closer together. And I think that, well, you, you want to more, live in more crowded conditions? What are you talking about here? And I think that this is actually so important that we're going to change Facebook's whole mission as a company in order to focus on this. Zuckerberg announced at the inaugural Facebook Community Summit in Chicago, Illinois, last Thursday. He explained that over the last decade, Facebook, which now has close to 2 billion users, had been working on making the world more focused and connected, which they have, of course. While this has happened to some degree, he says society remains very divided. To change that, Zuckerberg now wants to tap into the power of communities the way churches do. Oh, you want to tap into the power? Is that what you said there? Okay. You want to tap into the power, Mark, of what makes churches special. Okay, dude, I'm here to help you. I got advice for you. Mark, listen closely. And anybody that works for Facebook or you want to take the podcast to this and make sure he gets it, you can even edit it out and give him this little line here, okay? I got some advice for you, Mark. Surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, Mark. Because you are not going to be able to tap into anything that's happening in vibrant and alive churches until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, okay? Now, in your case, because you're rich and... Listen, Mark, I've spent my entire life knowing how churches work, and I know what Jesus says to rich people. Brace yourself, okay? When I say surrender your life to Christ, that means that you're going to live, you're going to talk, you're going to invest, and you're going to lead like Jesus is God, Mark, and not you. I don't care how many billions of dollars you are. You're worth that is coffee money and chicken feed compared to the person who's the head of the greatest corporation, not only in history, but in the universe. Your Facebook empire, that's a lemonade stand compared to the authority that he wields, buddy. So that's my first piece of advice. Now, now, now listen, and he says more here. And I don't mean to pick on the guy, because for all I know, he might be spiritually searching. The guy could end up being the greatest ally of the kingdom of God. Who knows? You know, if he's got an open heart, he's searching. And that's what I pray for. Here he goes on. Studies have actually proven that the more connected we are, the happier we are and the healthier we are, too. People who go to church, this is Mark Zuckerberg talking. People who go to church are more likely to volunteer and to give to charity. Not just because they are religious, but also because they're part of a community. Not just because they're religious. Man, Mark, for a genius, you sure sound dumb. Not because, you don't get it, dude. It's because they're part of a community that has the spirit of somebody who died and rose again and didn't die again, pal. Again, I'm here to help. I'm on board with this, okay? 
In fact, I'm so passionate for you, Mark, to get the, you know to get your facts straight and to help you with this. I'm even going past my top of the hour news break right now. Okay. He goes on. A church doesn't just come together. Whoa! Hey, well, you got that right. A church doesn't just come together. It has a pastor who cares for the well-being of their congregation, makes sure they have food and shelter. Well, nice try, Mark, but i got to take you back to what the church is all about because Jesus was the one that says, I'm going to build my church. And if I don't, you're wasting your time. You think it's because of a pastor. Okay, well, there's a lot of churches that have started that don't have necessarily a formal pastor. In fact, the most successful churches in the world right now, as far as a dynamic for growth and a passion for God, you know, if you measure the quality of a church by what the Bible says a church should have, the most successful churches in the world right now are in red China. And most of them don't have pastors. But then again, they have the Spirit of God, the risen Christ, fueling them. So you got to get a grip on that, Mark. You're going to be lost, and this is just going to be another dumb, you know, rabbit hole that you go down if you don't get a grip on that. While not pointing to any specific community, the Facebook CEO noted that despite this apparent power of community, why do they say that, apparent power of community? It's not the power of community. It's the power of the risen Christ. His church is called his bride, okay? He loves his bride, he gave himself up for his bride, to win his bride. This is all terminology. Yeah, Ephesians has a beautiful, if you look up Ephesians, uh, uh, Ephesians uh, uh, 5 talks about this. Well, not pointing to any specific community, the Facebook CEOs noted that despite this apparent power of community, I don't want to be too hard on that guy because this guy doesn't have the light of Christ. He doesn't know. But, you know, people, people, they hang on every word this guy says. I mean, this guy's a modern-day prophet for secularism. Now, the hope here is that this modern-day prophet of secularism, he might be sincerely searching here. I want to help the guy. I do. But I'm not going to fall for the, you know, the lines that the secularists use to advance you know, uh, their cause and gain more power. If you want to tap into the power of churches, you're going to have to surrender power, buddy. To the only one who has never been corrupted by that power. The Facebook CEO noted that despite this apparent power of community, people have been slowly disengaging from all kinds of communities globally, and these people are, are the target of his new campaign. That's why it is so striking that over the past few decades, membership in all kinds of communities around the world have been, has been declining. In a lot of places, by as much as one quarter. That's a lot of people who now need to find a sense of purpose and support somewhere else. So this is our challenge. Mark, I got news for you, dude. You're talking about the decline of church. A lot of those people, you know, yeah, they've given up. But more than that, have found life in, you know, churches that have not compromised their belief in God. And they're finding new spiritual life that they never even knew existed. I got a church full of people that didn't even know that church could be like that. Because most of them have come out of dead, nominal, traditional churches where religion and tradition means way more than the vitality of what the risen Christ is all about. Last line here from the article. Again, you can read this online. Okay, I put it out on the Late Night Council Facebook page. Check it out. The Facebook CEO 
was once part of this community after declaring himself an atheist. He was part of the community that identifies as, you know, not religious, which is the growing, the, the, the biggest religious group in, in, in uh, the fastest growing religious group in, in, uh, in North America and Western Europe. And he was part of that community after declaring himself an atheist at the age of 13. Last Christmas, I don't think any news media covered this, okay? And you've got to listen to Late Night Council, you know, to even find this out. Last Christmas, however, Mark Zuckerberg revealed that he is no longer an atheist, but did not specify his new faith. I was raised Jewish, and then I went through a period where I questioned things, but now I believe religion is very important, he told a user on Facebook. Okay, he's, he's tapped into something. I hope it's not some weirdo cult. Because weirdo cults, it seems that people who are ridiculously rich and famous have a propensity to ally themselves with, with nut bar cults. That if you look up what they believe in, you'd scratch your head and you'd say, you've got to be kidding me. Well, the explanation for that, how could somebody, like, okay, Tom Cruise, is, Tom Cruise and John Travolta, they're the textbook cases, okay? Both, you know, uh, 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 you know uh, both profoundly involved with the Church of Scientology. I mean, if you get to what the Church of Scientology believes, oh my goodness, you scratch your head. How can somebody who lives in the 21st century buy all that stuff? And it seems as though the more money and the more power you have, it's like it's like it's like your it's like your spiritual uh, perceptions kind of get dulled. I don't know. What do you think? Give me a call. You know? Three four three seven hundred forty three nine. It's open line, open topic. You could talk about whatever you want to talk about tonight. Isn't that great? You don't have to talk about Mark Zuckerberg. You could not talk about Canada. You might have something else on your mind. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety. You know, I know I'm having a good show when I'm not paying attention to the clock. You know, because in standard radio, you you got to be right on the beat, right on the on the on the you know, on the very second and the very minute. Now, there is the very real possibility, and the possibility always is out there, that, you know, a, 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 a standard and conventional radio station across North America could pick up this show and decide to broadcast it. But until that happens, you know, it's a free-for-all. I mean, we can... We can do just about whatever we want as far as time is concerned. So I choose to do that. Now, I've been talking for quite a bit now, and I'm going to take a bit of a break now. And for those of you that are just tuning in, at the beginning of the program, I talked about is Genesis History. That is a documentary that has just come out on Netflix about three weeks ago. I had the pleasure of watching it with my, you know, super high IQ daughter, who if, you know, if there's something that's kind of weak on on a movie or a documentary, she's going to ferret it out and she's going to notice right away, okay? And her and I noticed, and I, her and I watched the flick yesterday, and it got a, it got a high rating for my daughter, Christy. It gets a five-star rating for me. This is probably the best presentation of creation science I have ever seen. And there it is on secular media for you to enjoy. If you've got Netflix or you've got a friend that's got Netflix, it's worth you going over to their house and saying, hey, I want to watch that movie with you. Is Genesis history. And, you know, the band Genesis has nothing to do with, you know, creation and evolution. But uh, I'll tell you right now, it's a good excuse for me to remind you, you need to see is Genesis history. So I'm going to take a break by playing for you. I'm going to play for you, and I'm not going to apologize, okay? Because I need to take a breather, and I need to take a maybe even a biology break. That's a nice thing to call it eh? on radio. It doesn't offend anybody. I'm going to play my favorite Genesis tune of all time, okay? 
you can't, you won't even know it because I've only heard it myself. And I listened to a lot of radio when I was growing up, and I still listen. Well, I don't listen to radio man because it's garbage. I can't handle the commercials and the music that plays garbage. So I still I still listen to the music that was great when I was when I was a, when I was a teenager. And I think I've only heard this tune played twice on the radio, maybe even once. And you're going to hear it tonight in its entirety. I won't even tell you the title until it's over. This is my favorite Genesis tune of all time, and you're going to enjoy it. Is that clear?
Well, I'm, I'm quite impressed. You liked that tune, didn't you? I can tell because I'm looking at the numbers of how many people are listening, and uh, nobody dropped off, boy. Everybody hung in there. And I've actually, I got texts from people. John, you played Squonk from Genesis. Far out. That's awesome. Yeah, great tune. Great tune. Now, for those of you who never heard that, you probably heard a lot of weird lyrics there. What in the world is that song about? Well, it's on the album Trick of the Tail. Look up the lyrics online. It's kind of a, it, it's a dumb kind of story, but I, I always love that tune. And and I played the studio version for you. I played the the, the, the um, uh, you know the version that first came out in 1976 on Trick of the Tail. Um, Seconds Out is their live album that came out oh maybe a year after that, and the live version is even better. But it's longer. That's a six minute long song. Okay, and for me to do that. You know, I don't want to play too many of those because I know you don't come, you don't listen to the show for the tunes. You listen because you think that you like what you hear, and that's nice, okay? But so I won't push the envelope like that very often, where I play a tune that's longer than three or four minutes. But that that I played that tune to remind you: you get on Netflix, you go see is Genesis history. It's a great flick, five stars from the Late Night Council. Movie critique department. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety is the number to call if you want to be heard. If you want to affect change. If you want to influence the masses. Three four three seven hundred forty three ninety one eight four four five six two four seven six six. That line is good for all over North America. Excuse me. If you're calling from Grizzly Bear's Head and the Lean Man. Saskatchewan, that's what the place is called, Grizzly Bear's Head and the Lean Man. If you're calling from Grizzly Bear's Head and the Lean Man, Saskatchewan, if you're calling from Hasty, Arkansas, Love Ladies, New Jersey, or Paint Lick, Kentucky, 1-844-562-4766. That's 1-844-562-4766. Whatever's on your mind, I want to hear from you. It's the Ask the Pastor format. I'm always trying to give you the biblical perspective on whatever you're bringing to the program. And I'm trying to give you the biblical perspective, the morality perspective, the spiritual perspective on whatever's going on in the news or in your life. Or I don't know, maybe you have an argument. With, I hope you're not having an argument with the neighbor across the, you know, the backyard fence. I hope you get along well with them. And chances are, if you're listening from Canada, you know you had a lot of time to do that. Unless you're in Ottawa because it rained like crazy all weekend. We have had more rain. This is the rainiest season I can remember since moving here like 18, 17, 18 years ago. My ditches are full, man. I got I got a moat around my property where my ditches are. And I got to cut the lawn tomorrow, and it is a beast trying to cut the lawn and keeping the lawnmower out of that. You don't care about that. Come on. That's digressing a little bit stupid, isn't it? Okay. Let's get back to what we're talking about here. Um, should I go to that yet? Yeah, maybe we'll save that for later. Um, Hollywood actors. I, I mentioned Hollywood actors. Hollywood actors seem to have a propensity for, you know, their brains disengaging when it comes to common sense, when it comes to spiritual things. Hollywood is not kind to people who really believe the Bible is the word of God. In fact, I've read all sorts of interviews of, of, of you know, uh, Hollywood actors that were blacklisted as soon as it came out, you know, that they, they really believe the Bible. That's not something you do if you want to advance your career in the entertainment industry. 
and, and they really make inept theologians too. And and when they try to venture into the areas of spirituality, it's usually new age weirdo stuff that you know that nobody can relate to. Or no, no, only if you have a lot of money and you got too much time on your hands. As far as practicality and you know making your marriage work, yeah. When was the last time you heard anybody from Hollywood say something that really helped your marriage? <laughs> you know the saying in the Gospels. You know when they heard Jesus was from Nazareth, somebody said, "Well, can any good thing come out of Nazareth?" Well, in this culture, can any good thing come out of Hollywood? Oh, yeah, a lot of great movies, a lot of distractions, you know? The TV is my shepherd, I shall not want. Lays me, causes me to lay down on the sofa. It destroys my soul. It anoints my head with humanism and New Age nonsense. So, sorry, but, you know, I'm being cynical. I'm probably being a little bit too cruel here. Call in and yell at me. Uh, this caught my eye, and I really have a heart for this guy because when his remember Liam Neeson, remember when his wife died on Mount Tromblon in that skiing accident? That was horrible. Man, I weep. I remember I was on air. We were praying for that guy. You know what a horrible thing to happen. If I had a worst enemy, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. So I've always had a soft spot for this guy because when you lose a loved one like that, it makes you kind of, you know, think deeper about things. I think when somebody loses a loved one, there's a wonderful opportunity for, for, you know, for God, if people are praying for them, to step in and maybe show the person what reality is, what eternity is all about. You know, life is more than just making money and making a name for yourself. In fact, there's a scripture in Proverbs, and here's the biblical perspective again, that says a good name is better than great riches. So when I saw this headline on Christian Post, and again, I've, I've you know, posted the article. You can read it yourself. Liam Neeson cites Liam Neeson cites Christian values in calling for gay marriage legalization in Northern Ireland. What? 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 What brand of pseudo Christianity Kool Aid is this guy drinking here? And it's my affection for this guy, and it's my concern for this guy. You know that that made me dig a little deeper and want to know, hey, what's going on here? And they're, you know, they're thinking they're going to legalize it. They'll be legalizing it. Okay, it's going to happen. Although Northern Ireland is part of the UK, which legalized gay marriage back in 2014, it has been allowed to set its own laws. Northern Ireland will set its own laws on the controversial matter. We have shown the world, this is Neeson talking, we have shown the world how we can affect a peace accord when many thought it impossible. We must act on this and welcome all members of society through civil marriages while still keeping our Christian values. Love is love is love. Okay, Liam, let me help you out here, okay? I've been a theologian for 36 years. You've never been one. And I want to say this as tenderly and as and as you know as kindly as I can, okay? Love is love is love, okay? The Bible says that God is love. God knows more about love than anybody. He created the concept. And God hates sin because he hates what sin does to people. Okay? And you know, you can express, you know, the, the kindest and most, you can couch it in whatever nice, generous, new age, kumbaya words you want, okay? You're not going to change God's attitude on sin. When he says something sin, it's sin. In fact, he hates sin so much, instead of us suffering for our sin, he paid the price for it so we could be delivered from it. And remember, 
Jesus was described as a friend of sinners. Sinners loved him, but never, never did Jesus compromise with sin. When he caught the woman in the act of adultery, you know, he did not condemn her. The Jewish law said that she should have been stoned. And he said, okay, whoever's got without no sin, you throw the first stone. Brilliant. Brilliant. They all scattered. They dropped their rocks and they left. And everybody loves that part of the story. But all these people talk about love, 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 and they try to they try to mask the fact of how much God hates sin. They never tell you the rest of the story. Because Jesus looked at the woman caught in the act of adultery and he said this to her, Liam, listen. Because all your talk about love, 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 it's empty froth. It has no meaning. It has no depth to it without the end of the story of that woman caught in the act of adultery. He said to the woman, okay, don't sin anymore. Why would he say that? Why would he want to take away her fun? Love is love is love. She should be allowed to do whatever she wants. In fact, in our culture, not only should you be able to sin as much as you want, you should go around and parade the fact that, you know, this is what I am. I'm a sinner. This is my sin. And I, I in fact, I even identify as a sinner. Why would somebody want to identify with something that, 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 that God hated so much he was willing to shed his own blood and die a torturous death to deliver people from rather than compromise with it? So when I see, you know, when I see Liam Neeson saying, you know, still retaining our Christian values, it reminds me of, you know, when, when I was a youth pastor and, you know, the, 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 the kids I pastored, you know, because they don't, they don't know much about social convention. They come right out and they laugh. How much sinning can I do and still be call myself a Christian? Please see, and here it is. I look at this. I've gone. I've gone an hour and twenty five minutes. I think this is the longest I've gone into a late night council since we started up on Sunday nights doing just exclusively ask the pastor. I think this is the longest I've gone into a show before I mention Romans one. Okay. Those of you that listen all the time, you know I mention Romans 1, verses 18 to 32, every late-night council uh, uh, broadcast. And it's taken me an hour and 25 minutes to, before I brought it up again. And if those of you that haven't read it yet, come on. What have I got to do, okay? Because the thinking behind Liam Neeson is perfectly described in Romans 1, 18 to 32. Read it, and you will be able to understand what's going on in Liam Neeson's mind better than anybody, because you're getting it from the source, Okay? the creator. You're reading it from the book that you don't read. It reads you. Don't be intimidated by that. If you're going to be read by anything, you should be read by the Bible. You'll be a lot better off. It'll save you a lot of grief. Oh my goodness. Now along that vein, along that vein here, I came across this. This was written about three or four days ago. Here's the headline. Author who once embraced homosexuality explains why he no longer calls himself gay. Now, I read this and I thought, whoa, what's going on here, okay? Got to dig a little deeper. And again, posted this on, uh, actually, I kind of titled this on Twitter. If you go to my Twitter account or if you go to Late Night Council Facebook page, I gave this a title. And it said, you want to see hate? Watch how the LGBTQ activists will go after this guy. 
and I'm sure they're already going after him in the States because it's, it's of American origin. Daniel Matson, who used to identify as a homosexual, but now leads a chaste life despite having same-sex attractions, has come out with a book entitled Why I Don't Call Myself Gay, How I Reclaimed My Sexual Reality and Found Peace. Uh-oh. Now, you know what? You know, the gay activists are going to read this. Well, he was never really gay. Listen, I don't want to go into the gory details of the lifestyle that this guy led, okay? For anybody for anybody to suggest that this guy wasn't living fully the homosexual life and, and, and you know, ingrained since puberty is being disingenuous and is being downright deceptive. In fact, I think for, for uh, evil purposes, their brain has disengaged. Matson details his story of growing up having same-sex attractions in, a conservative, in the conservative Midwest and how he came to embrace homosexuality. But through a series of events, he turned away from that and toward his newfound identity as God's beloved son, embracing the Catholic Church's teaching on human sexuality that he describes as beautiful and liberating. Now, I'm not going to go and I'm not going to take the time to read the whole article. I posted it so you could read it yourself. There's terrific stuff here. And it's, it's, it's kind of mature audiences only, okay? So make sure the kids, you know, are not around when you're reading it. But the author talks about some pretty provocative stuff here. Writer Gore Vidal. Do you know who Gore Vidal is? Oh, my goodness. Gore Vidal was like the biggest proponent of immorality in the late 60s and the 70s. You talk about a guy that promoted the free love movement. It was Gore Vidal. But he was a brilliant thinker, too. A smart guy. Writer Gore Vidal rejected the idea that there was such a thing as a homosexual person. This is Gore Vidal. I mean, Gore Vidal is the hero of, of you know, the whole set, the, the whole uh, mindset that, you know, don't tell me what to do. I should be able to make my own decisions and live any way I want. If I want to have, you know, 25 lovers a week, that's my business, not yours. He promoted that, and quite eloquently. Gore Vidal rejected the idea that there was such a thing as a homosexual person. I just wanted to establish the fact that this isn't some fundamentalist, you know, Bible-thumping preacher here. This guy's way on the other spectrum. He rejected the idea that there was such a thing as a homosexual person, saying it was an adjective describing a sexual act. African-American novelist James Baldwin, who had romantic and sexual relationships with men, likewise expressed his discomfort with the word gay, saying it bothered him. In the book, Matson, going back to this guy that's read this book, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a scholarly work, okay? It's not just a, a personal story here. The guy's done some incredible research. He's got some great credentials, too. In the book, Matson traces how the development of homosexual identity categories were constructed over time. And how through strategic activism, the public perception was shifted to regard sexuality primarily as an identity marker and not a sexual act. And this is Matson's word here. We must save our language if we wish to teach our children in society in which we live who we really are and how to love God and pursue the path that God has marked out for human flourishing. Matson writes in a chapter titled Reclaiming Sexual Reality. He believes that underpinning much of the cultural chaos over these issues is a resurgence of Gnosticism and a dysfunctional view of the human body. All the enemy of our souls has and can do is to rehash old heresies, Matson told Christian Post. 
mentioning that he was intrigued to watch Chaz Bono, that's Sonny and Cher's daughter. He was intrigued to watch Chaz Bono on Good Morning America some years ago say that gender was not found between the legs but between the ears. But the fact of the matter is that sex is what resides between our legs and goes through our whole bodies because I am a body, Matson asserted. And what resides, and this is this is huge. This is huge. This is why you need to you need to print this article up and you need to share it with your friends here. And what resides between the ears is where fictions and delusions arrive and confusions. And Christians have to proclaim the goodness of the unity of body and soul. That's fundamental to who we are as creatures, he stressed. That's why there's so much moral confusion. And again, I go back to, if you want the basis of everything I'm talking about here, it's Romans 1, 18 to 32, perfectly describes the cultural situation that we're in. And if it doesn't turn around, Western culture, it's not going to get better before it can get a lot worse. A lot worse. You think there's moral anarchy now. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet of where this could go. 343-700-4390. Where it could go is for you to call in and tell me what you think. Or, hey, if I'm not talking about what you think I should be talking about, don't expect me to talk about it unless you take me there. And then we'll get talking about it, okay? 343-700-4390. That's 343-700-4390. I was thinking, you know, Mark Zuckerberg thinks that, you know, the key to everything happening is, is getting people together. You know, we just get people together. So maybe we should play this tune while we're going having a break. What do you think? Oh, I'm going to play it anyway.
Mark Zuckerberg is going to, he said that he's, he, is, he is altering the entire mission of Facebook because people have become too alienated and he feels that he's got to give people purpose by bringing people closer together. That's going to fix everything. Bringing people closer together. Mark, riots bring people closer together. Violent protests bring people closer together. Wars bring people closer together, Mark. If you're really serious, Mark, about bringing people closer together, and he even uses the example of churches and the dynamic, you know, and the purpose of the meeting, and he says, he said, he said, again, you know, somebody rich and famous trying their hand at theology, and they fail miserably. It's not because people are religious. It's because they're part of a community. No, you dummy. I shouldn't be that hard on the guy because the guy could be searching. The guy could be opening up his heart to something wonderful and miraculous here. And that's what we need to pray for for this guy. Churches do not have healthy churches because, you know, there's a lot of churches. In fact, I would say maybe even the majority of churches in North America need to be closed up and, the, and you know, the, the buildings sold off. Because they're dead as doornails. They're promoting a dead old irrelevant tradition that is not meeting people's needs whatsoever because they've deviated from Scripture in their attempt to be relevant, in their attempt to be you know, all-embracing of everything. They have, they have abandoned some of those more provocative calls in the gospel that Jesus makes. Like if your left hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I don't think he was advocating an Invalids for Christ movement, okay? I think it's pretty clear he's wanting us to get radical with the fact that he hates sin. And his father, and remember he said he came to do the will of his father, the Old Testament, and it's in the New Testament too. You look up Romans 16, okay? Be excellent in what is good. good. Be innocent in what is evil. To fear God is to hate evil. The Bible's loaded with that line. It's there at least a dozen times. If you want to really have a profound, worshipful attitude towards God, because that's the Hebrew word for fear, that's what it means. I mean, we're great for, you know, loving people. And that's right. That's what we should do. But lots of times our love is empty and frothy and meaningless and insipid because we ignore the spiritual imperative. You've got to hate evil. You don't hate evildoers. Christ loved evildoers. While we were yet sinners, he died for loved us enough to die for us. But the sin that people commit, man, if you don't hate it, it will kill you. It will destroy you. It will deceive you. It has nothing to do with community. Community is just an after community is just a byproduct of the fact that Jesus said, I will build my church. And New Age philosophy will not prevail against it. I will build my church. And the billions of Hollywood that, that Hollywood uses to influence people will not prevail against it. I will build my church. Gay activists will not prevail against it. I will build my church. And radical Islam will not prevail against it. I will build my church. The actual reference is in, in, in uh, Matthew 18, 16. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The term gates of hell, if you know the cultural significance of gates, gates means the intelligence, the, you know, the war room of hell, where all of the plans are made to bring down his, I will build my church and communist China will not prevail against it. Okay? 
the dynamic, the reason it gives people purpose in life is because the guy who is at the center of the church, who is the head of the church, he died. He rose again, and he didn't die again after that. And anybody who dies and rises from the dead and then doesn't die again, boy, you got to take his word seriously. Because last count, only one person I ever know of has ever been able to pull that off. So when he says something, it's not just, you know, your typical religious leader who's the, you know, the figurehead of some movement. It's way beyond that. He's at a a totally different level. In fact, that's why Psalm 127.1 so eloquently states, you know, unless he is building the church, anybody that's trying to build it is, is wasting their time. Look it up. I like being accountable on this show. I don't like just throwing, you know, facts around and without, you know, you being able to see for yourself. That's why just about everything I bring on this program, I, you know, just about every article we talk about on Sunday nights, I make sure that I put it out on uh, on uh, on Twitter and on the Late Night Council Facebook page for you to download a copy and read it for yourself. 343-700-4390. Haven't had one call tonight, but that's okay. I said for years when I was on CFRA, if you need callers to do talk radio, you shouldn't be on talk radio. I love callers. They're fun. It's I, I choose to have callers. I think it makes the call, show that much more interesting. But when it comes right down to it, if you need callers to be on radio, you should not be on radio. And I get a chance to prove it because obviously my listening audience is way smaller than it was when I was on conventional radio. But I used to say in conventional radio, I enjoy it. I, you know, I I do it for free, and that's basically what I'm doing it for. When you count all the expenses it is to you know to go online, it's it's not cheap. I'm putting way more, and I hope I don't sound like I'm complaining. I don't mean to, okay. But I can be online. I can be on the internet. And I, I, I know that, you know, there are people that are listening, and I know I've got the greatest message in the world. And the person I follow, it cost him everything. Who said it's not going to cost me something? Reminds me of a scripture in, in the Old Testament where David, you know, an angel appears on the threshing floor, and he wants to buy that threshing floor off the owner. And the owner loves David. He's his king. He says, look it, I'll give it to you. And you know he says? He makes a profound statement. He says, I will not, I will not engage. And I want to look it up because it's such a good verse. And I, I want to make sure I quote it properly. But but the, 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 the gist of it is, he says, here it is. Look at this, okay? I'll give you the context. Aaronoah said to David, let my lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering. And here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Aruna, give, gives all this to the king. Aruna also said to him, may the Lord your God accept, may, your God, may the Lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Aruna, I love this. No, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. In other words, if I'm going to worship God, I want it to cost me something. Not a bad thing. 
That's why I don't understand preachers who think, you know, the world owes them a living. I know there's a balance. The Bible says, you know, don't muzzle the ox that treads the grain. And Paul wrote, you know, that if you're going to, if you, if you preach the word, you should live by the word. I know there's a balance to it. But followers of Christ, okay, remember, they weren't called Christians until 10 years after the resurrection. Jesus referred to his followers as, if you're my disciples, you'll do this. If my, you're my disciples, you have loved one toward another. If you're really my disciples, you will obey my word. If you are really, you know, he makes the distinction. He doesn't use the term Christian. He doesn't even say, if you're my disciples. That's the word that he used, you know, before we ever started using this term Christian. I was I was preaching this morning and and there's some scary things that he says, you know, to his followers. Like everybody knows everybody and and he talks about what a real disciple is. Now remember, the word Christian was not even in his vocabulary. But he says the real followers, the people that really follow me, and we all know the one that says, you know, if if you have love one toward another, then you are really my disciples. Everybody knows that one. But let me give you a few here that people don't talk about. Okay, John fifteen eight. This and these are all the words of Jesus here. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. In other words, I need you to be productive. You know, some people think that you know they're they're, they're doing God a great service just because they show up to church on Sunday. You know, sit in the pew. They think that well, yeah, good Christian. Oh, come on, bear much fruit. What's he talking about there? What's the fruit? The fruit of the spirit. You know, when they're putting in time at a mission, you know, when they're helping people that are oppressed. I was naked. You didn't clothe me. I was a stranger. You never invited me in. I was in prison. You never visited me. I was hungry. You didn't feed me. I was thirsty. You didn't give me a drink. So when you're doing those things, that's being productive. Because if you're, if you're, if you're bare fruit, if you're productive for the kingdom of God, then you're really my disciples. John 8, 31, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. In other words, if you obey me, if you do what I tell you to do, then you're really my disciples. Well, I thought it was just a love, love, love thing. I guess Liam Neeson has never read this scripture here. You know, we need to embrace everybody, you know. People that are promoting sin and making it quite clear, they have no intention of, you know, having somebody... Free them of that sin. Pay for that sin. Deliver them from it. They don't have to live that way. Look at I don't want to I don't want to force my faith on anybody. Okay? But I've had enough gay friends over the over the years, okay? And I've been enough in the gay community to know that this lie that they're all embracing it and they think it's wonderful, you know, there's there's more of them that if they could get out of it and they could be free of it, they would be they will never admit that. Never. But if you're in a relationship with them, and if you're friends with them, they start opening up. And there are people within that community that would like to be free. Those are the people I want to touch. Those are the people I want to talk to. Because if they want to be free, that tells me the Holy Spirit's already talking to them. And letting them know, you know what, you can be free. You can have the best life you've ever, you've ever known. God loves gay people, okay? God loves adulterers. God loves thieves. God God loves murderers. But he hates their sin. He hates their sin. If he didn't hate their sin, he wouldn't have gone through the trouble of dying a torturous, horrible death to 
pay the price for it. Luke 14.33. This is the one that blows me away. In fact, I preached this this morning, and I prefaced it by saying, okay, um, there's no kids in here because this is mature audiences only. This is scary stuff. In fact, like, hold on to your chair here because you might fall off of it if you really think about what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about what real disciples are, okay? This is Luke 14.33. In the same way, those of you, this is wild. This is crazy. In fact, I, I wouldn't even repeat this if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus said it. And this, he actually said this. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Whoa. Well, I guess that packs it in for all of us, doesn't it? I live in a nice house, okay? There are three cars in the driveway, two motorcycles. Okay. In fact, people that live on the lower end of the poverty line in Canada, the, the, the poorest 15% in Canada, listen to me, the poorest 15% in Canada are still richer in their lifestyle and what, they, and what luxuries are afforded them than 90% of the entire world. Okay, The poorest 15%, those stats come out often. That's how wealthy we are in Canada. So we're a wealthy country. And Jesus says, because his word is universal, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, you thought he just said that to the rich young ruler, those of you that read the Bible, right? Remember that story, the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler, this guy's got it together, man. Comes to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, you know the law, you know? Love your mother, honor your father and mother. You know, do not lie, do not murder, do not steal. He says, Lord, I've, I've kept, you know, these laws since I was a child. And the Bible says that Jesus looks at him and he loves him. In other words, he's trying to be encouraging this guy. He's not being condemning. He looks at the guy and he says, you know, you've obeyed and that's good, but there's one thing that you lack. Sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor, and you come and follow me. And the Bible says that the rich young ruler turned away because he had great wealth. Now, you thought it was just one instance, and here it is again in Luke 14, 33, where it's not just the rich young ruler. He says that about all his disciples. He says, you do not, you, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. So where does that leave me? Okay? I'm going to put it on myself here. I'm not going to put it on you. I'm going to put it on myself. I'm the rich young ruler. Okay? I got a healthy lifestyle. I got a very luxurious lifestyle. Being a professional Christian, getting paid for telling people about Jesus has been very good to me. Very good to me. So I come to Jesus because I'm kind of frustrated and and. What have I got to do, Jesus? Counsel? I want you to sell everything you have. Give the money to the poor. And I want you to come and follow me. Or maybe he would say it just like he said it in Luke 14, 33. Hey, John, if you don't give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. What am I going to do with that? I'll tell you what I'm going to do with that. I am not going to turn away like the rich man did. Because that's where he lost out. Well, how do you know what Jesus said? Well, yeah, I know what he said. 
And I know how far away I am from him. I know how much of a sinner I am. I know how much of this world's goods come between me and the person I call my Lord and Savior. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm not turning away. In fact, I could see myself saying to Jesus, you know what, Lord? How can I argue with you? You're God. And I don't know if I can get rid of everything, but the last thing I'm going to do, I could tell you right now, there is no way, there is no way I'm turning away from you. I am going to keep following you. I am going to, whatever I got to do, because you have the words of life. Outside of you, Jesus, I have no hope. Outside of you, I don't have a prayer. It's like when Jesus told the disciples, you know, you got to take up your cross and follow me. And, 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 you know, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose your life. It says in the Bible that a lot of his followers departed, and that was it. They weren't going to follow him anymore. And Jesus says to the, the 12 that are still there, he says to Peter specifically, are you going to leave too? And, Jesus, and Peter says, where would we go? You have the words of life. So here I am with all my baggage and, you know, my, my, my wealth and, 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 you know, my problems with greed and laziness and lust and, and the same things that you struggle with. But if I turn my back on Jesus, it is over. And I've said this often on, on Ask the Pastor. I don't follow Christ because I got it together. I follow Christ because I have no hope outside of him. And I've noticed something. I've noticed that those who follow him, even though we're not qualified, even though we don't have it together, we realize he's our only hope. And I think that when you follow God, when you follow Christ with that kind of tenacity, I I could be wrong. And if you want to call it and argue, you only got like six minutes to do it. But okay, I think that when you follow Christ with that kind of tenacity, that's when grace kicks in. That's when the reality of amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a jackass like me. Okay? I think that's where it kicks in. In fact, I think that when you follow Christ and you realize he's your only hope, I think something starts happening on the inside. And I think it's possible that he can actually transform people from greedy idolaters into people who who would die for him. Who would gladly lay down whatever they need to for the sake of following Christ. I could be wrong. I've been reading the Bible, you know, and trying to figure this thing out for, oh, a good 50 years now. Haven't arrived. In fact, I would say when it comes to knowing God and knowing how he works, I, I feel dumber than I've ever felt. I can identify with Corey Ten Boom, okay? The author of The Hiding Place. The Dutch lady that, you know, that got Jews out of Germany, and ended up going to concentration camp for it. Her sister died in the concentration camp. She survived. Spent the last 40 years of her life telling people about forgiveness. She was even able to forgive some of the guards that beat her. And in her 80s, in her late 80s, and I've used this quote so many times because I'm getting older and it's, it's, it's becoming more real all the time. She said, the older I get, the less I understand God, but the more I trust him. Not bad, huh? I think it's pretty good. I got one more story to share with you here. Headline reads, 
Christian converts in India beaten for refusing to worship Hindu gods. Well, what do you know about that? Looks like Islam is not the only religion that's persecuting Christians. What do you know? It's not just it's not just the Islamists. The information comes from a persecution watchdog group, Open Doors, and I posted this article because it goes into some of the gory details of, of the persecution that, that uh, uh, Christians in India are undergoing. And it's pretty brutal. It's bad. It, it uh, tells the story of two very graphic instances where Christians are being, are being beat, beaten regularly. And what happened was, in both these cases, there were miraculous healings that took place. The leaders in their villages say, you need to pray harder to the Hindu gods, you know, so that uh, uh, your loved one will be healed. And somebody got to these people and said, well, why don't you ask Jesus? And they prayed to Jesus. They asked Jesus, the Son of God, to heal them. And there were miraculous medically confirmed healings. And because of those healings, these people realized he must be the true God. And they embraced Christianity, and they and they. They committed themselves to following Christ. Well, that just stirred up a hornet's nest of persecution in their villages in both cases. The article says at the end, there have been several recent reports of Hindu radicals attempting to convert Christians back to Hinduism. International Christian Concern, another watchdog group, reported back in May that as many as 15 Christian families were forced to undergo such reconversion ceremonies in the Janwani village of Chahadizgare over... Easter. I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. Not just Islamists going after Christians. Hey, why should we be surprised? Jesus said, all men will hate you because of me. Can't get around that. And he said it in more than one place. In the, and it doesn't mean we're going around trying to pick fights. And I hope that when you're being persecuted, being persecuted because of the love of God and because you're being Christ-like and not being some you know religious pain-in-the-neck jerk. I mean, I, I, I've seen these guys. That, you know, they don't think they're doing a job for God unless they're ticking somebody off. I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people being honest and kind and generous and and having to pay a price for that. Have we given you enough to think about tonight? I hope so. It's almost 11 o'clock. Time to say nighty night. Have yourself a decent week. Thanks for sharing the evening with me. Good coming to you live. You can get podcasts of this show. Go to latenightcouncil.com. Don't forget Nick at night. He does his show live Wednesday nights, 9 o'clock, right here at latenightcouncil.com. Hey, maybe someday he'll have his own website domain and website. I don't know. I'm trying to help him. Have a decent week. Good night. Good night.